Welcome to On The Beat, a monthly podcast brought to you by the Broward Sheriff's Office, Parkland District. Hi, I'm Chris Mulligan, your host and captain of the Parkland District. During each episode of On The Beat, we'll explore topics like crime trends affecting our community and provide you with tips to ensure you don't become a victim. We'll also talk about ways to keep our community beautiful by discussing code enforcement issues. And along the way, we'll talk to deputies, residents, and even a surprise special guest once in a while. On today's episode, we're going to talk with our code enforcement officers and give you, the residents, a perspective on what our code enforcement officers do on a day-to-day basis, what their responsibilities are, and how the code enforcement um, process actually works. So with, uh, with that being said, I'd like to introduce our code enforcement officers. First up is Lori Pascarelli. Hello, Hello. Lori. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Next up is uh, Ashley Jean. Hello. Ashley, how are you doing? Doing well. So, uh, ladies, you guys are our code enforcement uh, experts here in the city of Parkland. And just to give some background for the residents, uh, unlike maybe in other cities where the code enforcement is a function, direct function of the city, you guys actually work for the Broward Sheriff's Office, uh, your, your Broward Sheriff's Office employees and the city of Parkland contracts with BSO to provide code enforcement services in much the same way that the city of Parkland contracts with the Broward Sheriff's Office to provide law enforcement service. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and why don't we start a little bit about uh, with, with you, Lori, and, and kind of how long have you been a code enforcement inspector? I've been in code enforcement for six years. And, and is that how long you've been with the Sheriff's Office? I've been with the Broward Sheriff's Office for 15 years. Okay. All right. Very nice. And uh, Ashley, how long have you uh, been a code enforcement inspector? Since February 2nd, 2019. And did, uh, is this new or have you been, were you with BSO before that? I was with BSO before that as a crime scene investigative aide in Central Broward. All right. So you guys bring a lot of different experience to this, not just the code enforcement uh, aspect. Um, what I wanted to do is talk a little bit about your qualifications. So what does it take to become a code enforcement officer? Lori, you want to handle that one? We are certified. Um, we got our certification from Florida Atlantic University Institute of Government. We are required monthly to attend ongoing classes to keep our certifications current and education going. Um, some of them have consisted of legal aspects to code enforcement. We've also done vacation rentals, um, unsafe structures, um, public records requests. So uh, as an example, let's talk about uh, unsafe structures. So part of the technical training that you receive in order to get your certification is the ability to evaluate a structure and determine whether or not it's sound uh, to be lived in. Is that, is that accurate? Yes. Okay. Um, Ashley, uh, from the, the public record side of that, uh, what are some of the things that, that your training consists of? The training consists of how long we have to keep public record cases, uh, and it differs between whether the case is in compliance or whether the case has fines attached that are still running, or if they have fines attached that they've complied with but just have not paid the fines. Okay. So there's a lot of different aspects to to your job. It's not just you know um, going in and following code violations. There, there's a lot of knowledge in the background that you have to have in order to make a, a, a fair evaluation of whether something is in compliance or, or isn't. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. 
Um, let me ask you a little bit about, so from, from your perspective, uh, what are some of the, the more common code enforcement issues that we have in, uh, in Parkland? And uh, Ashley, you want to you wanna handle that? Sure, I'll handle it. We have different sections of the city that have different issues going on. Uh, for example, in one section of the city, we have an issue with drainage swales, where this is an issue because if the drainage swales are not cleared, then it becomes a health and safety violation due to the mosquitoes, snakes, and etc. that will reside in that area. In other areas, we have bulk trash problems where people are illegally dumping their bulk trash on different properties. So, uh, so you bring up a good point here. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, myself, you know, might look at code enforcement as a, uh, as a, as a tool within city government that, that helps maintain the aesthetics of a city. You know, you're looking for a certain type of, of look. In, in Parkland, we have a very, we like the rural look kind of a thing. But also, you, you bring up a good point in that your job has to do with health and safety as much, right? In other words, as you pointed out, uh, drainage swales that aren't properly maintained, they can fester with pools of water. You might get mosquito issues. You might get uh, snake issues or, or, you know, creatures in there that you don't want in your community. So, not only do you guys work from an aesthetic standpoint, but you also provide a health and safety aspect as well. Would that be accurate? Yes, that is accurate. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, something like uh, how how do we handle uh, bulk trash in, in in the city? In other words, are there specific time frames when people put out, or is, is that even governed by a code when you can put trash out or not? Yes. Oh, so Lori, you wanna help me out with this sure. one? Sure. You are allowed to put your bulk trash out 72 hours prior to the bulk trash pickup date. The city of Parkland only has bulk trash once a month. So we ask that the residents check their schedule and find out what date they're scheduled for and please plan accordingly. So how would a resident be able to check the schedule? Where would they go if they wanted to see that information? It is actually online at cityofparkland.org. Okay. Um, so let's say for sake of argument, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the code enforcement process now. So uh, what I'd like to do is sort of walk a resident through the process as if they were somehow, you know, cited. So I'm a resident, uh, I put my bulk trash out too early, you guys come along and cite me. So one of you guys want to jump on that? Uh, Ashley, you want to kind of walk me through that process and say how, how, to, how do we go about resolving this now? So we have uh, two different violations that we do. We can either write you a violation letter or we can write you a citation. So for bulk trash, we would usually go with the citation route. And so let me, let me stop you for a second real quick. Tell me what the difference is between a citation letter and an actual citation. So the citation is a promise that we will go back out versus the citation letter where we give you a bit longer before we go out, and that is for usually issues that will take longer than two or three days to fix. Uh, for example, if you did work without a permit, so we would need you to go to the building department, get a permit, pay, apply for it, pay for it, have it issued. So obviously that would take a little longer than two days, so that gets the violation letter. So, so just to kind of recap on that, so then the violation letter is something that's a little bit of a more long-term uh, 
it's going to take a bit of a process in order to resolve. The actual citation is something that can be be handled pretty quickly by the resident? Yes, so we usually limit that to bulk trash and water violations. Okay, so I left my trash on the road on the side of the of the of the street uh, too early. How do you want to how do you want to cite me? So we're going to give you a bulk trash violation. The first time is a warning and we write a little note that says bulk trash out too early, remove by and then we usually give you two or three days depending on how big the pile is. Okay. Now I'm that person and you you leave me the note and next time there's bulk trash pickup, I, I do it again. So what happens? Now, this time, since you've done it again, um, you get a fine this time. I believe it's $100. And once again, you get a little note that says bulk out too early, remove by, and a certain date. Okay. And at some point in time, uh, part of this process is also a special magistrate. There's also a special magistrate component to uh, the enforcement side of this as well. Is that correct? Yes, but that's more geared towards the violation um, hearing letter. Okay. Rather so than the more the technical, the more difficult aspect, like for instance, the, the doing work uh, without, a permit. without a permit. So walk me through the special magistrate process and how does that work? I, I, uh, you guys kind of see on the, from the side of the road that I'm putting an addition onto my house. You check with the building department and hey, I haven't pulled a permit. So what happens next? So then we write you a violation letter and on it consists of usually two pages. It can be more depending on the violation. The first page just mentions when the special magistrate is and what day you need to comply by to avoid going to the special magistrate. The second page has the violation itself and how to correct the violation as well as what the ordinance you broke was. So for this example, and I'm glad you used it because it's very good, it, we would put that you did construction without a permit and you need to contact the building department and we would put the phone number for you to contact them. So if we, oh sorry, if we ever put a a phone number for the building or engineering or an email for the city arborist Patty Hoot, uh, they are the people you need to contact first to get the violation into compliance. If the violation is in compliance then you get a letter and we do not come back out and that is the end of the case. If you do not comply, we go to the special magistrate hearing where you can also come. It's, uh, it's open to the public, so even if you don't have a violation letter, you can come. It's so is the special magistrate process kind of like going to traffic court in some respects? In other words, I get a violation, there's a, there's a magistrate that I can appear before, I can, I can state my case, and then the magistrate can make a decision as to whether or not he finds that a violation exists or doesn't exist? It's exactly like that, except with one aspect of if he does find the violation exists, then he'll give you usually 30 more days and a $150 admin fee. And then if you don't comply within those 30 days, we have to go back to the special magistrate and he will give you a fine of usually a set amount of dollars every day from the second time you were supposed to have complied. So it sounds like the ultimate goal of of the process is is to get the property owner to come into compliance. That is correct. Okay. Um, So let me ask you guys a question. We talked a little bit about uh, what you guys do on a day-to-day basis in the code enforcement process, but I know uh, that you guys get a lot of phone calls from folks about things that may seem like it's a code enforcement issue, but it's not really. Uh, As an example, there's sort of a, a kind of a 
dovetail to some extent between code enforcement and HOA regulations where they may overlap. So, Lori, can you give me an example of, of where a, a code enforcement uh, ordinance uh, or a city ordinance may kind of overlap with a HOA ordinance or where an H where someone may believe that it's a code enforcement issue, but in reality it's actually an HOA issue? We would have that problem with hedges. HOAs require your hedges to be eight feet, no more. The actual city ordinance reads hedges would be 10 to 12 feet depending on the location of the property. So in that situation, the HOA actually overrides the city ordinance and you would have to... You'd have to work it out with the HOA. Yes. So there, there might be a discrepancy where a neighbor would call and say, hey, uh, my neighbor's hedges are, are too, too, too tall. Uh, and the neighbor might look and say, well, no, look in the ordinance, it says it's 10 feet, but in reality, it's an HOA issue, and that would supersede the ordinance. Yes. Okay. Um, so there are times when you guys might have to tell a resident, hey, listen, you're making a complaint about something, but in reality, it's an HOA issue. Yes. Um, what about animal, uh, animal bites? Now, I know, so just so we're clear, normal animal bites, that comes to the, to the deputies. They go out, they investigate the case, and then those follow up by Broward County Animal Control. But let's say like barking dogs and stuff like that, do you guys address those? or? We do not address agriculture areas as far as chickens and fowl making noise. That's something that is not in the city ordinances and that we can... So one, one of the interesting aspects of bar, about Parkland is, is there are some, exam, uh, some areas that are zoned differently than other parts and, and because of the agricultural exemptions, the, the rural aspect of the city that, that certain, uh, certain rules or ordinances don't apply to uh, non-conventional animals like livestock. Yes. Okay. Um, but again, if anybody had a question about that, they could always refer to the city ordinances and, and the exemptions are covered in the city ordinance. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, well, listen, uh, thank you guys for joining me. I hope that uh, you know folks find this interesting. I know that your job is a little bit different. It's a little bit technical, uh, but you guys are a big part of, our, uh, of what we do here. So thank you for what you do. Uh, and just to close, I want to remind folks uh, some ways that you can get in touch with us. Well, let me let me back up a second here. Yes. So if somebody has code enforcement issues, a question or something like that, what's the best way that they can reach you? They can reach us at the Parkland, Broward Sheriff's Parkland District Office at 954-753-5050. Okay. And they would ask for Lori or Ashley or the code enforcement inspectors. Yes. Okay. And uh, a couple of other ways that uh, you guys can reach out to us, don't forget, we have an email address specifically set up for Parkland residents. That email address is parkland at sheriff.org. That's parkland at sheriff.org. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at BSO Parkland. And we are also on Nextdoor as well. And in closing, I just want to remind folks, if you listen to our last podcast, we talked a little bit about the Vacation Watch program. Please don't forget that that exists. You can go online at www.sheriff.org, work your way through that, find the Parkland District uh, website, and it has all the information there for you on our uh, Vacation Watch program. So once again, I'm Chris Mulligan. I'm the captain of the Broward Sheriff's Office Parkland District. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you again next month.